Okay. Awesome. Um, right. Yeah. So let's let's get cracking. Let's do it. Awesome. Hey, and welcome back to the Land Party podcast. Today, I'm very excited to say we've got Miguel on. Uh, Miguel's had an amazing career, and uh, I think it's it's going forward in some really interesting ways in the future. So, Miguel, do you want to introduce yourself, what you're doing at the moment, and where you've been before? Yeah. Hi. Thank you. So, I'm I'm essentially um, so my name is Miguel, and I'm a dad. I'm a <laughs> husband. I'm a passionate learner, and I'm a terrible gamer. So, <laughs> anybody that will know me will know that this is a fact. Um, <laughs> But this is the industry that I uh, got experience in, and it's an industry that I love. So gaming, esports, uh, it's a great place to be, and I'm, I'm very lucky to be there. Um, I'm currently the founder of the United States Esports Association. It's a nonprofit organization with a main mission to foster the growth of recreational esports. Um, and our three main strategic pillars that we believe we can conquer our mission is uh, through recreational leagues, education, and diversity and inclusion. And I'm pretty sure that we'll talk more about that later. I'm also um, an advisory board member for Gamers Outreach, which is another wonderful um, charity in the world of gamer, um, which essentially Gamers Outreach, what they do is they bring gaming into the rooms of little kids that are very sick at hospitals and cannot leave their awesome. rooms to actually bring them the opportunity and the joy to have a gaming experience when they're bound because of their sickness uh, mm -hmm. to the room for an extended period of time. Uh, then is imagine the feeling of having a parent in the actual kid for 30 minutes or 60 or 90 minutes to just forget where they are and just enjoy the pure uh, gaming experience and, and have a, a, a joyful experience. So that's also um, the mission of, of the uh, Gamers Outreach nonprofit. Uh, non and uh, from a perspective of a career and where, where I uh, kind of worked uh, from a gaming industry, so I spent about 13 years um, working for the Xbox hardware team. Uh, so that obviously is Microsoft. So I was I left Microsoft, I can't believe this, but it's about seven months ago uh, already. And I was uh, always in the hardware team for Xbox, and I did a lot of different things, uh, mostly all of them around uh, business and strategy. So I did business development, I did strategic planning, um, some portfolio management for the yeah. hardware team. Um, and eventually also I ran uh, for a while uh, the licensing business that they have with some third-party accessories manufacturers. So that was kind of like the bulk of my experience there um, and had the, the wonderful opportunity to, to have a great network and, and build a great network and quite honestly fall in love with the gaming industry, which uh, to be honest, I, I kind of fell uh, into the industry. I didn't grow up being a gamer myself, okay. um, but it's a great place to be. That, yeah, that's amazing. So, how how did you get into that industry then? Like, did you apply to work for Xbox or was it? No, it was pure luck. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's what it was. So, um, I I I was the entry point was pretty. Um, I was doing a I 
was pursuing an MBA, a Master in Business Administration, um, in a small school in Florida. And I, it was time to go out and find a job. And I applied and, and I, I did it through a career fair. Uh, and I, I talked to a lot of different companies and Microsoft and Xbox was not part of one of them. <laughs> and I happened to meet a recruiter uh, or somebody from the Xbox team uh, at an event during the yep. career fair. And they say, hey, you should come over tomorrow and, and, and meet some of our recruiters. And I did that and I met a recruiter and they were like, yeah, you should uh, come over and have an interview with us. And I did. And then, you know, a few weeks later, I was uh, flown into Redmond uh, to have a, 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 some other interviews with them. And then, you know, like another weeks, few weeks later, I had an offer. Uh, and actually, originally, I joined the company in the finance side. So I was a finance okay. support um for the xbox accessories team mm. so when when i was offered the job on the finance side yes i knew i was coming into the gaming side but it yep. wasn't something that i when i applied i went straight to it i just happened to have had the conversations with the xbox people yeah. um and then that got, got me into um xbox itself but quite honestly i it wasn't something that i pursued myself it was something that was kind of presented and and i was lucky enough to be part of it and enjoyed every single minute yeah that's really interesting so did getting into that kind of area start you playing games uh it started me trying to play games (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, and and being bad at it yes (laughs) But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't have the skills um, yeah. and especially Xbox being a console yeah. to me, like grabbing the controller and keeping a car straight. I love racing games. That's kind of like the genre that I like to yeah. play or I would love to be good at the F1 game um, yeah. or even at Forza. But I mean, to me, uh, it's just, I don't know. I never really got into it um, growing up. Mm. Um, I did, I remember even as far as the days of Atari uh, and having older cousins than me having the, 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 the box and playing a little bit yeah. of it. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I had an Atari myself, but I had access to it to my cousins. But yeah. I did have the first one I remember I, that I own and I don't, I don't even remember the name outside of the, I think it was the ColecoVision or... Um, um, I don't remember the name of the box, yeah. but it was something, it wasn't Atari. It was, it was a bit else. of a niche one, really, that one. Yes. And yeah. that's the first one I remember playing a little bit. But I, again, I, I had the opportunity to play games, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I wasn't good at it. So even from a testing perspective, I would get in, play with it, have fun, but then nobody will play with me because I was so bad at it. <laughs> and that's totally fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. So do you have a, a console now? Uh, no. Technically, no. right now, I don't have one sitting with me, but it's, okay. uh, I'm about to get one soon. Oh, nice. Are you yes. getting uh, the new Xbox? I, I've heard rumors there's a new one, but are you going to get a, an Xbox or are you well, going to go to the dark side yes. and PS5? Or PS5? Uh, I, oh. You know, I now, now that I'm... <laughs> out i should say <laughs> that i should be um platform agnostic because yeah. also from a non-profit perspective gaming is gaming and there's exactly. different ways you can game right mm. but 
quite honestly, I will get an Xbox uh, yeah. just because it's what I'm familiar with, but I would love to try something else as well. Yeah. And I should start learning to, to use something else. Yeah. Do yeah. You, and go ahead. Yeah. Do, how do you feel about um, kind of mobile gaming as well? Is that something you've ever thought about? I, I'm not, I'm not much of a mobile game user myself either. Um, yeah. I even remember downloading the F1. There's like an F1, small F1 yeah. game on, on mobile, and I kind of used it a few times. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know if it's because I have a five-year-old daughter that I'm running <laughs> around behind her that I don't yeah. have much time, but I just don't really spend a lot of time gaming. But that doesn't say that this is not a fascinating industry to work yeah. in and that there's so many things that you can do and so many activities that are, are so interesting. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. My, I, I do a little bit of mobile gaming, but not much, because my main issue with mobile games is they're built to be a casual game. Yeah. And so there's always like a limit on the amount of things you can do, unless yeah. you basically pay pay more money. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's a Duty mobile game. Is it? Is it good? Really good, actually. And you don't get any adverts. Yeah. And it's really pay to play. That's nice. Um, yeah, it's it, the gaming world and, you know, obviously eSports is part of the gaming world, but the gaming world is very interesting because um, it, there's so many, it's very fragmented. So there's, there's, there's different ways to look at it, right? Yeah. If you look at it from a platform perspective, then you obviously have PC consoles and mobile gaming, right? Yeah. If you look at it from a, from a um, genre perspective, you have all the different genres that are involved, right? Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's sports simulation, whether it's racing, whether it's mobile, so whatever the genre is. Um, but so, so, you know, there's something for everybody. Um, yeah. And, and there's, so, it's, there's so many different ways that you can apply gaming to it, right? So, yeah. of course, there's the bigger communities and everybody knows who they are, whoever <laughs> you're involved in the gaming industry. But that doesn't mean that if you are playing legal Legends, it doesn't mean that you can play something uh, solitaire on the mobile phone, right? I mean, yeah. they're not mutually exclusive. You can all, you can all game into uh, different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting how I think mo mobile games are getting... I think they're getting game more people into gaming because yeah. everyone has a phone and it's just like, oh, I can, yeah. I can download a quick game and yeah. that's how you kind of get into it. And then you're like, oh, actually, let's get an Xbox or let's build a PC or yeah. go from that. Um, and the PC gamer. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a PC gamer. You're like right. like you were saying, Miguel, with the yeah. the con the joysticks and the controllers, while they're they're well designed and they work well. It's, yeah. There is something that's just not quite the same as having a mouse. It's, yeah. you know, it reacts better to your movements, I think. Well, I mean, that's one thing. The other one is, if you think about it, um, even, even things as the position of how do you manage uh, a mice and keyboard, right? You have mm. this, the two hands are separate, and then usually you have them tilted at a certain angle, depending on what you're yeah. preferring. And then the fact that you're moving a set of fingers to the one thing and the other set of fingers to mm -hmm. the other thing while you're looking at the screen. I mean, yeah. that in itself is a skill. Yeah. I personally don't think I could make it happen or work <laughs> on it. Obviously, I haven't spent the time either. But a lot of people don't realize that this is how, I mean, 
the reason why people get good at it is because you actually put in the time and effort to do it. It's a skill yeah. you're developing. Like think about it in your brain. One hand, your your brain is doing kind of like multiple things at a time. Yeah. It's it's telling your hand, left, right hand to do something on the keyboard or, or left hand on the mouse or something different. And then on top of that, you're digesting what's come through the screen and then reacting to it. So whether it's that way with a, with a PC experience or the console experience or even the mobile experience, all of them require different ways that you actually move and use the hands, right? Yeah. And hand-eye coordination and all of those things. So I, I'm, I'm from an outsider perspective, um, and now that I have a five-year-old daughter and I want mm. to start bringing her into your journey and, and trying to drive a journey with her into gaming, like I'm actually taking that opportunity to learn myself and see, yes. okay, if she's drawn to one type of game or the other, then how can I actually uh, provide her experience or join experience with her and go along to the ride and, and learn? Like I... I remember I tried a few years ago playing uh, Minecraft with, with, with my nephew yes. that he was quite into Minecraft and it was hard because he he was in an age where he wanted to just get into Minecraft and play a lot yeah. and I was way behind him <laughs> in skill level and we he couldn't, obviously this was also over a weekend or something, but he yeah. didn't have enough patience to actually walk me along, right? He wanted to do his own thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's super fascinating and interesting how, um, especially us living in this digital age, um, how these things will become more innate. In, and I see it on my daughter, the way that she manages technology, even though we try to uh, balance it out, because I think mm. balance is a very important yeah. question and word to have. Um, it's like, I, sometimes I think I need to explain her something and I just don't. Or she tells me, don't, I know what to do. And I go, okay. Yeah, she knows what to do. They just get it, and it's they just get it. Yeah, it's kind of scary. But then, it's. I mean, I was when I was a kid, we didn't. I think we had a computer, but it was MS DOS and that kind of stuff. So I wasn't. Again, I wasn't brought up around computers and phones the same way. Yeah, and it is. It's almost. It's kind of scary, but then in amazing how these kids just like. Yeah, I, I get it. You just swipe this and click that, and yeah. Yes, like I remember back in school when I was probably in like year seven, and I was making games on PowerPoint. Yeah. Which was difficult, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> you were making games in PowerPoint. Wow, I haven't heard that one before. This is... but that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like you could do like uh, mazes and you can make it so it follows the mouse. And then when you get to the end, it then goes to the next slide. And then obviously you've got a different one, but the mouse will go to point. That is amazing. Oh wow, that yeah. sounds awesome. That's 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 a great skill to have. And that I mean, you know, these conversations lend in itself pretty 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 well for what we're trying to do in the mm. United States Esports Association, which is we're trying. Um, you know, the scenario that I always like to give at least parents or uh, to promote out there is like in the U.S. Um, is very typical for a family on a Saturday morning to wake up, uh, eat breakfast, and then one kid gets the uniform on for a baseball game, off one parent goes with the kid to the baseball game, and then another kid puts his uniform off and on, and then they go to the football yeah. uh, game, meaning soccer in the US, yeah, yeah. the real football, I know you guys uh, call it football, yeah. and then 
our goal is to say, look, another option in the menu is gaming. So we want to have, you know, the little girl, the little boy to have their uniform for the Rocket League match. Off they go to the closest gaming arena or gaming yeah. lounge and have a, 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 a team experience of having a Rocket League match or any other game, whether it's a sports simulation, right? Uh, yeah. Or any other potential game. So that's what we're trying to do when we talk about the recreational leagues yeah. is how do we actually get, um, and it doesn't, I mean, we start with little kids, but even if it's professional, uh, prof you know, adult professionals that want Thursday night, they want to go off and have a match, how do they go yeah. and compete against other professionals, same way that they can do it on a Thursday night playing softball or playing uh, soccer or playing yeah. any other sports, right? So that's that's kind of like the experience that we're trying to bring. So we're from a from a esports experience. When you go, everything that we know today on esports is at the at the top of the pyramid, right? It's the professional level, yeah. it's the Premier Leagues, it's the Call of Duty uh, uh, equivalent, right? Uh, uh, on the professional level. What happens with esports today on the mainstream perspective, everybody hears about either the professional teams, they hear about professional leagues, and that's what they know. But when you go down to the bottom of the pyramid, um, where the grassroots level starts on the recreational level, and we want to talk about recreational esports, yeah. that's really not well um, organized or well uh, structured. And I remember, the way that we got together into this, it was a comment that you guys put out uh, on LinkedIn, and that's part yeah. of the conversation. We're saying, hey, traditional sports is pretty much organized. Why esports isn't? And that's it's a fair comment, uh, but a lot of people don't understand that you know esports in itself is a fairly young industry, and then started to get kind of like organized from top down. Yeah, uh, where sports actually started 300 years ago, depending on which sport you're talking about, and it started from bottoms up, right? So yeah. the fact it's a fact of the industry, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's a matter of how do we start now putting some building blocks at the grassroots level at the bottom of the pyramid, so we can help them provide that path. So you know, yeah. I find that that's kind of like a quote unquote universal. Uh, issue that we have or problem that we're trying to solve. Europe is usually structured differently than the US when we're yeah. trying to tackle these things. But at the core mm -hmm. is how do we provide a recreational esport e experience to kids or to any person that wants to have that opportunity to play recreational, mm. um, trying to mimic what a real life scenario because a, a real esports tournament today inquires that or requires that um, you have two teams sitting at the same venue using equipment that is not there, uh, using whatever um, uh, surroundings they have, communicating with the coach and being surrounded by you know loud fans yeah. and dealing with that pressure. When you play um, casually at home online, yes, you can play casually, you can do a lot of things, but you're not having that same environment, right? So if you want to have it or recreate that, then you need to go to your closest gaming arena and have some sort of experience that yeah. way. And that's what we're trying to focus on. There's no reason why, yes, you can do it online. There's no reason why you could also do it uh, physically. And by doing that, then you start bringing along parents, which is key. Parents is a very important part of here because yeah. a lot of parents, there's still a lot of um, negative connotation with gaming and esports, and this is a way to bring parents along. And this is where the education 
uh, focus for the nonprofit campaign for the United States Esports Association, which is, hey, there's there's different pockets of education that we need to help the industry and help people get to. There's a part of educating parents. We need to let parents know this is a valid valid uh, activity to do, and you should support your kids to do. Of course, there are. It's something that I alluded earlier, which is balance. Of course, you have to have balance. It's not about gaming 16 hours a day. It's about balance and how you do it. But it's a, it's a, it's still a team experience. If I grew up not being a sports fan, then if I would have had this option as another team activity, why wouldn't I have had um, yeah. that available to me, right? So it's a valid option. Also, we need to educate kids and and the next generation of those potential esports athletes that they have to be balanced individuals and to in order for them to be high performing they need to take care of their bodies they need to take care of their mind they need to take care of a lot of different things and also they need to put their hours so 16 hours grinding days is not sustainable anymore <laughs> um, because you're gonna be even you get injured and you're gonna play anymore right? Because your body gives up. So you need to eat well, you need to have, you know, your mental fitness, you need to sleep well, you need to work out. You have, all of these things are required for you to become a high performing individual, whether you want to be a football player, whether you want to be a legal legends athlete, or whether you want to be an entrepreneur, right? So yeah. it doesn't matter. You need to have that. Another area to educate is actually in the coaching side. If I want to coach my daughter's team, mm. how do I do that? Like yeah. what I don't, I've never coached rocket league and I never coach eight year old people right? Yeah. or kids. How do I do that? Then usually organizations like ours will put out or put out information for parents do some don'ts and these are the kind of things that you can do in order to help coach things. So everything you hear me talking about is something that is very much done and well structured today in traditional sports. Yeah. But it's how do we bring that over, or how do we bring this be the best practices into esports and apply it in a way that that actually is um, the right thing to do for the industry. Yeah. And then just to close out my comment, the last portion of all of this is diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion is extremely important because it's not the the, the classic, you know. Um, ethnicity and gender and in other areas of diversity and inclusion, mm. uh, female representation, but it's also about um, able-bodied, right? Uh, there's yeah. a I heard recently from from one of uh, from Taylor Johnson, which is coach the, and he he was talking about in in another podcast talking about if you have a, a body, you can gain, and it's true. Yeah. Like if I if if I wasn't lucky enough to to have a full um, functioning body and I had, let's say that I was born with, with, um, you know, a missing a hand or, or missing yeah. a leg or whatever it is, I can still gain. I can still be super good at it and I can still, and now I have technology like the Xbox accessibility controller that can actually help me. And I can have a perfectly experience with all of my other peers and all of my teammates having a great experience where to be honest, a lot of times in sports you can't because of the physical yeah. limitation aspect. Um, but in esports, there isn't any. So that's part of what we're trying to push as well from a diversity and inclusion perspective. It is such an inclusive thing. Like, like you were saying, it doesn't matter what gender you are or whether you can walk or whatever it is or whatever. You can 
play games to a high level. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, sports, traditional sports, you just can't. It's you know, you've got to be healthy, which quite pretty much I think everyone that we've had on this podcast has brought up as well. Yeah, health has been a big thing. Yeah, definitely a huge thing. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Rory. Oh, yeah, if if you're not healthy, it's even just to do with like reaction speed, you're going to be slower. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And that's why that's why it's so fascinating. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the documentaries that are uh, going around, whether it's in Netflix or Amazon Prime or yeah. Brown, um, you know, an inside look about a lot of the football teams. I remember watching the one from Man City uh, with Pep from, I think it was the t- 2017 or 2018 really? season. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating to see that one. And it's also fascinating to see there's a new one in Racketing TV for Barcelona uh, and seeing the behind the scenes or even um, Netflix had one um, around, um, I remember about around a couple of Argentinian teams, the Boca Juniors of, or awesome. River Plate. And, and what I'm alluding to is when you see this, like what these athletes go through in the day, it's clear that you see they have practice time and yeah. that's limited to a certain amount of hours, whatever it is. They have uh, physical fitness time, right? So they actually go to the gym, do all of these things. Yeah. They have recovery time, which means they yeah. are good in their sleep and they, they do that. And they're taking care of on their uh, mental fitness as well. So they have, you know, therapy, whatever is needed, um, mindfulness. And also then they have uh, eating, right? Habits. Yeah. And that's why they perform at that level. You know, you guys know this very well because you're yeah. obviously being from Europe. I mean, you go in and run 90 minutes nonstop. You have to be in top shape to do that. <laughs> yes. I, I go in and play football right now, and I, I will last five minutes. That's yeah. it. And it's, it's, it's true. Or you play basketball. Look at how, much, yeah. how many times a basketball players go up and down, up and down, up and down. And when you go and see it live and see it at that level, or it's the same thing with a, with a League of Legends guy, right? Or, or, or a Seath Go. It's like the amount of activities they're doing per second or per minute, and you compound that over time. You have to, you have to make sure that you have a body that functions well. Which so, is why a lot of players are kind of getting burnt out after two years. Yeah. Because they're just playing nonstop. That's all they're doing. Yeah. And the help and, isn't necessarily there yet. And, and that's what a lot of the professional esports teams are implementing. They're keeping yeah. that part for traditional sports and making sure that they can put it. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to be 23 year old and having to retire and figure out what to do. Yeah. You want to try, if you truly are a top performing athlete on the esports side, you want to try to uh, uh, extend your career as much as you can. Yeah. But on the other side, you know, if you happen to retire early for X or Y reason, you know, in the next generation, esports athletes, if you know, organizations like ours are successful, then these kids are going to come with a base of understanding the gaming and esports is an asset yeah. industry that they can play in different ways and be involved in so many different ways, whether it is. You are on the marketing side, on the on the business side, or on the legal side, yeah. on the development side, whatever your um, career um, or your passions lie, you're going to be able to be part of the industry and still be involved. Yes, granted, not from a professional level, but mm. uh, 
um, you can still be involved and continue to have a career on the industry itself. Yeah, and I think it's um, things like with your building kind of these re recreational leagues at the lower tiers as well, eventually that's going to meet somewhere with the top tiers. Yeah. And you're going to end up with something like with football or rugby or whatever it is, where you've got these players will play at the top of the game for a couple of years, and then they'll be replaced by someone newer, but then they'll mm -hmm. drop down the league. So they'll still be mm -hmm. playing professionally, mm -hmm. but they'll be playing for just for a different team in a mm -hmm. like tier two or something like that, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is kind of like you're saying, it's elongating that career, mm -hmm. and they can do that because they've got the health in place they're not completely burnt out exactly from doing it yeah um and uh, one thing i going way back to when we started talking um one thing i did think that's quite interesting as well for parents to learn is that playing games does have these transferable skills as well you're still yes. learning about teamwork yes. still like yeah. you're saying you're learning about using the technology yes um and all of these other things that you're, I, I even did a post on LinkedIn about how gaming taught me about uh, decision making and resource yes. management. Yes. Because I, I played a lot of strategy games like Star, yes. uh, Starcraft and all of that Age of Empires. And you do have these limited resources and you're like, what's the best way for me to get to my goal, which is winning. Yeah. And so I need to manage my resources and plan and make the best decisions, which is a transferable skill. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, learning all of these things is is very important. I think it's something that it needs to happen for esports to really grow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, kind of going on from that, you mentioned that your your kind of main area was business strategy. Um, what would you say is um? Is there anything with the strategy side and business side that you think current esports teams, like the lower esports teams, can actually improve on to get out in there, get out to the world more, or increase whatever they're doing, the productivity, whatever it is? Sorry, guys, I was I was unmuting myself because there's still some background noise. I apologize. They're still, they're still going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So I think the question was around. I think, oh, here we go. Can you do it nice? It's a little bit there. Okay, let's keep going. I think, you know, from a strategy perspective, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, and, and I'll be honest, I'm not very familiar with the whole uh, notion of team infrastructure yeah. and, and running your team. Obviously, there's a lot of teams out there. Um, yeah. I think... I think it's a mix of different things. One is in reality, you know, what is it that you're offering as a team uh, and what are your main goals, right? So yeah. um, there are different teams that are trying to achieve different things. Uh, and also understanding the fact that esports is still so young and changing by the day that you need to really um, kind of like be you what are the right uh, areas that you want to go after. So yeah. you see a lot of teams having like, you know, players that play like 10, 20 different games. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, like, you have to be very much like, um, the other one is how, uh, you know, running a team is nothing more than also a business. If you think about 
how are you going to cover the basics, right? Um, yeah. This, this trend of getting funding is not going to last forever. So how do you make a sustainable business? What are the products you offer? How do you make sure you have all the revenue streams that you want to build on? Um, yeah. It's very obvious that the bigger teams or the most organized teams are, are starting to figure that out. Um, if you look at somebody like 100 Thieves, they, they're really going after, you know, uh, uh, um, fashion being one of their offerings, right? And yeah. these, these drops in fashion focus and then content being the other, which is how do they start providing more and more content that people like. And then by, by doing that, increasing their audience, by increasing the audience, then how do they get um, ad revenue and some other things that the, the, the audience brings in. So I think we're going to be going into this journey of esports uh, maturing. Um, yeah. And figuring out how um, do we continue to expand these revenue streams and make the organization sustainable. So I think one one big uh, uh, area of strategy for teams, whether they are top level or a, a one, uh, uh, somehow wanting to be to the top level, is being nimble, being flexible, yeah. understanding the industry, being able to react to it, and also being willing to try different things and maximize your opportunity of, of there's so many dollars in ad revenue. There's so many dollars on sponsorship. So how do you start generating more revenue streams um, for, you know, your organization to actually be sustainable over time? Yeah. And that could be different things that could be even consulting, right? There are so many, to your point, there's so many um, from a technological perspective, there are so many things that these digital professionals, uh, uh, both team infrastructures and players are getting that you can actually make services or products out of those things, right? And uh, right now, I don't, I don't have anything specific, but, but my point is, yeah. you know, you have to be able to understand where the industry is and then how do you start actually creating um, income from, you know, what is out there and not try to do and repeat the same thing that the others are doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's it's something that's, like you say, it's really going to evolve in the esports industry over the next few years. Um, I remember I was watching a live stream from Chris, uh, Chris Smith, and he was saying that esports, like the average value of an esports viewer at the moment is around like 5 to $10. Whereas the average value of an NFL, the viewer is like $200. So I think like you're saying, these esports organizations are trying to work out how they can increase the amount of revenue they're making per viewer or per follower of their, their team um, compared to the more traditional sports. And, and that's spot on. That's true. Mm. That's a metric I've read before. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's the constable lifetime value of a customer yeah. and then how do you keep that customer coming back and in? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, the, 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 how do I say these, the, the bigger your audience and the bigger the market you're going after, actually the opportunity is bigger. But what, what I was, was, sorry, what I was trying to say is that yeah. there is a lot of the reason why traditional sports teams uh, in leagues, especially on king sports like um, football, 
uh, or soccer, obviously in, in the yeah. U.S., uh, American football and even basketball. I mean, they've they've really brought in the journey with their customers into the journey, meaning they're actually done a whole bunch of different experiences that actually bring on. Uh, customers and create that notion of belonging and notion yeah. of wanting to be part of that team and then that's why uh, because that's a shared passion with others and then how do you actually keep investing as a customer on on enjoying that experience itself and, and you know I don't I don't know what you guys' teams are uh, I think you mentioned one time that we talked that you're a Newcastle fan but if you're yeah. what's in Newcastle uh, Derby, Derby Rams. Derby, sorry, we're still Derby black Rams. and white though, so it's the same, <laughs> same colors basically. Yeah, but but you know, I mean, that's that's what's going to require, um, and and in a way, uh, the industry will mature on that side, and you see how do we um, actually increase that uh, customer value. It's also nature yeah. of also. I think some of the generational shift were, you know, once, you know, most of the audience um, uh, or most of the, 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 the younger ones, I start getting that um, um, uh, disposable income, then they're going to be starting to invest more because this is the actual entertaining bucket that they yeah. choose to invest in, right? Versus other things. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that needs to needs to move forward for the industry. I think to evolve further. Um, one one thing I think that's I don't know if it's necessarily stopping the industry, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this. But the problem with esports is that you have publishers that own the game, whereas football or NFL, no one owns that game, so you can just I could start a league, an NF like a football league now, and I'm, I could do it with no money. Whereas with esports, you've kind of got to get in touch with the publisher and go, "I want to start a thing, and is it under the rules that you've set? And is there any support around it? I mean, how how does that work with these recreational leagues?" Sorry, there's still a lot of background noise. Hopefully, it doesn't come. Yeah. Um, I think you know. I, I I think I I have I have a, a slightly I believe a slightly different view. So yeah. I wouldn't say that. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that public. It's a problem or it's an issue that publishers own the IP, right? I think it's a fact more than anything else, and it's something that. You know, it's a fact of the nature of the digital uh, way of entertainment and the digital way of um, doing uh, uh, activities, which is, yeah. you know, the digital gaming. And it's something that we as an industry have to work and figure out how to make it, how to make it happen, right? Okay. Uh, because what's true for, if you have a relationship with Riot and, and, and try to build something around legal legends, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's going to be the same thing they're going to be able to build with EA for FIFA or for yeah. any of the other games, right? So I think it's a fact of figuring out how do you actually uh, make it happen and work uh, for every single um, uh, IP out there that is going competitive. In a way, I think, you know, a lot of times we lose sight of when we think about esports, we're truly thinking about 
an equivalent term in terms of sports. Sports is composed by different individual sports, right? You have yeah. football, you have basketball, you have rugby, and you have a series of other ones. Esports is the same thing, but instead of being the actual sports, it's the games. So you have League of Legends, okay. you have Rocket League, and you have all of the others. So each one of them uh, behave and have different things. And then yeah. we have to figure out how to make that work. Of course, there are overarching uh, things that apply across everything. Like if I want to be a competitive game gamer or a competitive esports athlete, I have to be a high performing individual. That doesn't matter if it's CSGO, it doesn't matter if it's League of Legends, it doesn't matter if it's Rocket League or any other game, right? Right. Um, so I think, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> and what, what was the question around? Um, kind of how you feel about publishers owning the games and how oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so I think I think it's a fact and it's the nature of the industry and we have to figure out how this may happen so from a recreational league perspective I I don't I don't think there's much of an issue because and that's why we we decided as a nonprofit to focus on the recreational side is mm -hmm. you know we are doing something that publishers are interested in which is continue to bring along new generations uh, into the audience and bring along parents and potentially new people into this audience through the, the, the showing people that this is a, a good thing to have or offer kids that want to choose to actually be participant of this activity. Yeah. So from that perspective, we're taking on something that probably is priority 3059 in the list for any of the publishers <laughs> that they don't get to because obviously they're focused on other things but yeah. we're taking and trying to do what the right thing is so i don't i don't think from that perspective will be an issue what we need to as a nonprofit adjust to is to understand okay if i'm building or we the building a recreational loop for legal layers we have to take into account the set of guidance and rules that are set together by Riot Games. And if we're gonna do it for Riot, for sorry, for Rocket League, we have to do it while whatever science is doing, right? Uh, so we just have to take into account and then how to build them. But at yeah. the end of the day, if we wanna have a recreational league um, for uh, League of Legends or Rocket League or FIFA, there are some things that are common. What are those things that are common? It's gonna be a team experience. Yeah. It's gonna be held at a gaming arena, hopefully. And it's gonna bring some uh, there's some basic uh, we want to have we want it to be good game in a way right we want to set an example we want the kids to have fun or the person yeah. to have fun we want them to make sure that when they finish you know they can they can stand up and, and have a handshake and yeah. enjoy the experience so those are things that are we come across but then you have to accommodate to it each of the uh, rules or regulation of each of the of the games and hopefully over time, when we gain the right support for each of these publishers to say, look, yes, you are, um, we support what you're doing because this is really something that is, is in the good of the overall industry. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's really that's an interesting view of it, actually. Um, I've never thought about it kind of like you're saying with sports is these different games. Esports is the same. It's just different games and you have to work with what you've got. Um, so that's kind of, I think that's everything I kind of set up to ask you today. Um, do we have any other questions from Rory, Sidas? 
Yeah, it's really interesting viewing to kind of what you're doing and how I think the future of esports is going to be. Really, I think you're on you're on that that front frontier of the esports future, Miguel. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. And I hope I hope we are, and I hope uh, you know the whole goal of the organization is to really help and lay um, the building blocks for the future. Um, yeah. It's really for the industry, it's not for any personal um, uh, you know, uh, gain other than we think it's the right thing to do and it's a way to give back to the industry that's giving us so much. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's a call to action, it's a way for, I think all of us that enjoy gaming, enjoy the esports industry yeah. have a also responsibility to take action and what we want is to really invite anybody um, to just participate and be part of uh, become a member uh, yeah. go to our website and become a member and help us help us build these things it, it, it takes a lot of help a lot of hands a lot of brains yeah uh, and also from our from a you know from a publisher and a corporate perspective um, hopefully a lot of funds from from donation to actually help us build this, but it's the right thing to do for the industry for sure. We're convinced of that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, so that so is that how people how people can get involved with uh, the US Esports Association? Go to your website and become a member. Are there other ways? Yeah. 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 So I think the main thing to do is. Come to the website. Um, our website obviously will be on the on the on the links. notes of the podcast. Yeah. The links. But it's uh, it's especially um, you know www.esportsus.org um, and and just become a, a signee, uh, become a member. Um, it's free. We're not charging uh, anybody to to just become a member. We want it to be free. We just want to grow our audience. Uh, we're starting to. Uh, truly uh, strike partnerships with companies that, that uh, buy into our mission, then essentially to offer benefits to our members, yeah. whether it's a reduced price on the product or use of service or whatever it is, we just want to be that, uh, be there for the community. So go to the website, be a member, join a member. If you want to donate, you can donate. Uh, but also, you can donate funds, obviously dollars, but you can also donate your time. So you can become a volunteer, you can help us. If you're an expert in marketing, if you're an expert in social media, if you're an expert on, on whatever it is that you do, we need, we need you, we need help, we need the hands, and we all together can, can come up and, and do this, right? Um, and, and that's essentially what we're trying to do. Gaming and esports has always proud itself to be a grassroots movement and yeah. to be you know, part of the community, and that's what we want to do. We want to actually build this together uh, with the, as many people as we can, and then help us uh, bring this to operation, which is, again, the mission of the nonprofit is to foster the growth of recreational esports. Uh, obviously in the U.S., because yeah. we're U.S. focused, but there's no reason why we take this out and partner with our other organizations. For example, in the U.K., we have the British Esports Association, which is doing a great job as well. Um, and, and, and this is in our, um, we have a relationship with them as well. And yeah. it's our goal to actually be partners and continue to work this together over time. Yeah. And like we were saying earlier, it doesn't matter where you're based. 
uh, no. esports is inclusive. So you're you're in Spain at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, at the moment yeah, I'm sitting exactly. in Spain, uh, and it's funny enough, I'm here in Spain because of personal reasons, but, um, and that's the point about going back to parents and education, is yeah. like technology is in a way that, you know, how many are we in the call for? The four of us are all in different places. I think Cetus is also in another country in Europe, yeah. so we have one guy in Spain, one guy in Cetus in Lithuania. Lithuania. Yeah, Lithuania and then couple in the UK, and we're yeah. here. We're having yeah. this conversation. It feels like we've known each other for a while now. And, you know, who knows when we meet? We might meet in a couple of months or we meet, you know, in two years. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of it. So um, I'll put all the links down to that, uh, down to all of that stuff in the comments. Um, I'll also put a link to Gamers Outreach as well. Yes, please. Um, yes. So is it a similar thing people can get involved? Yes, same thing. In, actually, yes, and, and Gamers Outreach has actually a huge event that is happening. Um, I should know the date exactly. I'll, I'll send it to you, but it's in March. Um, it's, 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 um, it's the biggest event, the biggest fundraising event that they do, um, and ways that anybody can get involved is actually you can go into the website and sign up to do your own fundraising campaign to nice. actually help. And what they do is they have um, they have this gaming fest, they have a, a land fest where it's a weekend long event where you know they bring actually um, obviously a whole bunch of people physically to one place, but then they expand it uh, also from an online perspective with streaming. Um, so think about like a like a like a yeah, it's, it's essentially awesome. a land fest or a hackathon. Yeah. So I'll send you more information. Sorry, gamer average guys, I should know my. My mind's <laughs> but um, I will. I will make sure that we get that there. And that's happening this March, upcoming March. And yeah. It's same way. There's different ways that you can. If you're in the U.S., you can uh, volunteer for gamers or reach different ways. You can actually. There's even a way for people to go in and volunteer. Like if you're in a city where there are hospitals that have these cards, then you can volunteer to actually go to the hospital and play. And be uh, a playing buddy with one of the kids. So awesome. you an hour free of Friday, you can just yep. go to the hospital and sign up to play with one of the kids and bring them joy as well. That's awesome. And not do any kind of rage quitting while you're there. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 Try to be a good, uh, a good gaming citizen and show them how uh, a good gaming experience would be. Yeah, no shouting. None of, yes. none of that, please. <laughs> none of that. Um, well, yeah, it's been it's been awesome having you on, Miguel. Um, and yeah, and we'll see everyone on the next one. Bye. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Hey, thank you for listening to the Land Party podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed recording it. It's amazing talking to these incredible people. We are always looking for more people to come on. So if you're in the esports industry, just get in touch and let us know you're interested in coming on board. Also, Land Party is a project that we're working on right now, and we are currently looking for investment to make it even more of a reality, to speed the project up, to make it better than it could be with what we've got at the moment. And we're also looking for developers who maybe want to come on board and work with us on creating this new technology that's going to change the face of esports. So if you're interested in that, let me know, just drop us an email and we can start the conversation.